Welcome to the KPMG Tax Now podcast. In this podcast, we explore some of the more complex matters across tax, economics, regulation, and compliance. Each month, we meet with KPMG's foremost experts and other special guests to unpack key issues faced by taxpayers around the globe. There are estimated to be 9 million US citizens living abroad with up to 100,000 choosing to call Australia home. In today's podcast, we'll be looking at the unique tax considerations for Americans living in Australia. Hi everyone, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the KPMG Tax Now podcast. My name is Terry Hoban and I'm a director in the Global Mobility Services team in KPMG Australia. Today I'm sitting down with my colleague Noella Bella a senior manager in the team who specializes in U.S. taxes. Thanks for coming on to the podcast today, Noelle. How are you? I'm good. I got so excited to be here today. I actually researched a bit of tax trivia for you, Terry. You ready? Yep, I'm ready. Bring it on. All right. So apart from the U.S., what other country taxes on a citizenship basis? Oh, that's a good question. We will tell you the answer at the end of the podcast, so stay tuned. So, Noelle, as part of the work we do on our team, We've helped many U.S. citizens residing in Australia. What are some challenges that our clients face? I think the biggest challenge is probably the fact that our U.S. citizen clients still have the requirement to complete and file personal tax returns with the IRS. And that's irrespective of the fact that they don't actually reside in the U.S. at that time. So, I mean, we all have the obligation to file our own personal tax returns on a yearly basis, but doing two sets of tax filings, that can get pretty administratively heavy. Yeah, so that's like a tax return every six months. But filing a U.S. tax return isn't the only obligation for U.S. citizens in Australia, is it? No, that's right. So exposure to double tax is typically manageable since income tax rates in Australia are greater than in the U.S. So what that means is that those Australian taxes that have been paid can typically be used as a credit to offset any of the U.S. taxes, but that would be due. But As you know, Terry, a lot of our clients do find that the additional disclosure requirements in the U.S. are often really detailed and challenging to navigate. So the U.S. really wants to know a lot about their filers, from having to disclose their interest in foreign assets and financial accounts to any non-U.S. based trusts and companies that they've established as well. Yes, and we've actually helped a number of clients actually unwind some of those arrangements that they've made in Australia due to the U.S. tax consequences. So we are big proponents of getting tax advice up front to manage these risks. Mm, Definitely. I mean, particularly with the way that the U.S. treats certain investments. I mean, we've both probably had many conversations with clients and shocked them when they've realized that the way they have planned to set up their long-term investments don't really work the same way in the U.S. And speaking of investments that don't work the same way, can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges that our clients face when it comes to Australian superannuation? Yep, sure. I think the most challenging part about superannuation is that it doesn't meet the criteria for tax deferral the same way that U.S. pension plans like 401k would. So even though both are long-term saving vehicles intended for retirement, the U.S. would view superannuation as additional compensation. So any employer contributions that are made into Australian superannuation funds would be subject to income tax on a yearly basis. And if you earn more than, say, 135000 US, 
it's not only the contributions that would be taxable, but also the performance grade as well. And this is all calculated in US dollars, right? Yeah, that's right. So practically, this means that both the performance growth and foreign exchange gains would be subject to US income tax on a yearly basis. Right. And, and this news about superannuation is often quite a shock for our clients, particularly if they're about to jump on a plane and go on an assignment to the US. This can sometimes be a major roadblock. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a point of concern for both employees and employers. In a recent survey we conducted, we found that around two-thirds of organizations sending employees to work in the U.S. will actually pay this U.S. tax cost on super on behalf of the employees so they are no worse off. Yeah, but it's not just superannuation funds that U.S. taxpayers need to be mindful of, right? It's investments in ETFs and mutual funds as well. They're usually subject to further reporting requirements in the U.S. too. Yes, the Passive Foreign Investment Company rules, or PFIC rules, as we like to call them in U.S. tax land, are becoming more and more problematic. Now, these are anti-deferral rules that apply to investors in non-U.S. companies earning passive income. The problem, though, is that the rules are so wide that they cover most Australian managed funds and ETFs. And once an investment is in the PFIC rules, it can become a bit of a US tax nightmare. Okay, but what about, say, an ETF that's investing in the US market? Is that okay? Well, if the ETF is based out of Australia, which most listed on the ASX are, then regardless of the underlying investments, it will be a PFIC. And as a PFIC, there are a number of drawbacks, including a loss of any concessional tax rates on dividends and capital gains, additional reporting each year with the tax return, and a potential interest charge on large distributions. Yeah, there's definitely certain ways to make these investments work. But again, it comes down to how much tax planning has been done to make sure they're effective on both sides. So Terry, switching tax a little bit, can we please talk about Australian real estate investments? As tax effective as it is to invest in real estate from an Australian perspective, the US tax system doesn't work as favorably, does it? No, there are some key differences between Australia and the US systems that can lead to potentially large tax bills for US citizens in Australia. First, there isn't really any ability to negatively gear, so you generally can't reduce your US tax liability by rental losses. Second, whilst there is an exemption on capital gains for sale of home, this is capped at 250,000 US dollars. With the way the Australian real estate market has performed, especially in the East Coast, capital gains on the sale of a property could well be in excess of that amount. And finally, the least known issue for US citizens holding real real estate in Australia is the loan repayment issue. Because everything is converted back to US dollars, repaying an Australian mortgage can actually trigger a foreign exchange gain if the US dollar has gone up in value since the loan was taken out. Again, it all comes back to getting tax advice before making any large transactions. Agreed. And it's probably also worthwhile that any US citizens holding foreign assets have the right paperwork in place, particularly for estate planning and succession purposes too. Yes, so the US does have a gift and estate tax, and that can mean in a worst case scenario, assets are subject to a 40% tax at death. It's really important that in any family succession and estate planning, there is input from a US tax advisor if there is a US citizen in the family group. 
Yeah. And I think that's why we're finding that a lot of our US citizen clients are seriously considering or planning to relinquish their citizenship. It can get very complicated very quickly. And a lot of Americans in Australia probably feel that the cost to keep up with the compliance just outweighs the benefits. Before coming onto the podcast today, I had a look at the latest stats published by the US Federal Register. And it looks like the number of applications to relinquish US citizenship just keep going up each year. Yes, that's right. But even relinquishing US citizenship can take a number of years of tax planning prior to being able to formally go through the process without incurring an exit tax. Agreed. But it's not just the exit tax, right? It's also the possibility of inheritance tax that their US citizen family members would have to pay if they don't meet all the criteria required to expatriate from the US tax-free. There's definitely a lot of tax issues to consider as a US citizen. It's not straightforward. Yeah, I mean, particularly for those living in Australia. But, you know, what about that other country, Terry, that taxes on a citizenship basis? Well, I have Googled it while we've been talking. The question was, what is the name of the other country that taxes people based on their citizenship? It's actually Eritrea, a small country in Africa. Sounds like a new service offering in the works, Terry. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today, Noelle. That's all we have time for, but it's been great to discuss some of the challenges facing US citizens in Australia, and we hope you find it useful as well. For more information, please go to the KPMG website or get in touch with us on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for listening and looking forward to catching up next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of the KPMG Tax Now podcast. If you'd like to ask us a question, please send us an email at kpmgtaxnow at kpmg.com.au. Be sure to subscribe at kpmg.com forward slash au forward slash tax now or follow our LinkedIn page, KPMG Tax Now Insights. That's all for now. We look forward to sharing more insights with you soon.